1: This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you do in your landscape, simply by conversation. All you have to do is call me and talk to me on the phone, 404 In this day and age, when everything else is digital, when you're doing your Facebook posting and your Twitter posting and your Pinterest posting and everything you look up is on the Internet, it's, it's a throwback to a gentler time. When you just get to talk to a guy, you just say, hey, Walter, what's going on with my X, Y, or Z? And frankly, if you've never talked to anybody on the radio before, I'm the easiest guy in the world to talk to. Because, I mean, it's just talking on the phone. I mean, you can do that. You know, I talk on the phone, you dial the number, and I'm friendly. Ashley Frasco screens the calls for a minute. She's friendly, and... We're just going to talk about your plants, and if you don't know what your plant is, that's okay. We'll figure out what it is. That's not hard to do. And if you don't know what your problem is, that's okay, too. We will figure out what's going on. If you don't know how to say the Latin name of the plant, that's okay. I don't either. So <laughs> we have lots of uh, opportunities, shall we say, to uh, have a conversation together. All you have to do is dial 404 872 Martin's out in Marietta, Georgia. And joins us on lawn and garden. Hey, Martin. Good morning. Okay. Hey, good morning, Walter. What you got? I uh, I have uh, I've been uh,
2: besieged by an a, a insidious little uh, spaghetti like weed. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it a weed because I don't know what else to call it. But yeah. it has it occurred last year actually for the first time I, in my uh, creeping flocks and i I thought it was something that had come with the plant and um, so i i took it out of the ground and took it back to uh, uh pike and they they uh, were certain that it wasn't hadn't come with the plant but um it was something that what well, might have come from from the soil, but I just can't identify it it's like it's It has come back this year in my in my lantana.
1: What color is it, Martin? That's the real key question. What color is it? Well,
2: it's it's a yellowish, orangish. It sort of it sort of comes a light yellow and it turns into a darker uh, orange as it. Yeah,
1: there are. I've, I've mentioned several times that there are people who listen to this show, Martin, who listen to my questions and listen to the. Caller's answers, which is what you just given me, and as soon as you said spaghetti, I was pretty sure I knew what it was, and as soon as you said yellow, then there are about a hundred people around Atlanta right here going, "Boom!" <laughs> you know what it is. But I'd the, like to be the
2: hundred and one. You're
1: the hundred and one, Martin. It's a it's a plant called dotter, Dodder. D o d d e r. It's remarkable. It is fascinating. It is an interesting plant. Because it is it's one of the few parasitic plants You're going to run into ever in your life It is parasitic in that the seed Which probably was transported by a bird The seeds are sort of sticky And so there is a patch of daughter Within a mile, maybe, of your house You don't know where it is But the birds were there And they picked up a seed And it got on their toes And it dropped over in your land, town, and your flocks And when the seed wow. germinates It uh, makes a little twirly pigtail sort of thing that goes up and finds the stem of any plant nearby, it attaches to that stem, it invades that stem, it goes right into the center of the stem, and then it dissolves its root connection to the soil. So the only place that it has to get nutrition now is from the plant itself. It is a parasite feeding on the lantana and on the flocks, and it grows above them in a spaghetti-like manner, nice bright yellow, of course. And it has little flowers on it, and they make seed, and they either drop to the ground or they get stuck to a bird's toe, and they go somewhere else. So what you have is, again, dodder, D-O-D-D-E-R.
2: So what is the remedy?
1: It's harder to do than it is for me to say. It's one of those situations where I love telling somebody what to do without having to do it myself. You can't control it other than by digging the soil up and replacing it. The soil itself. The soil itself. That's where the seeds are. It's probably already dropped some seeds, and you, as you say, it came back from last year to this year. It came back in a different place, but the likelihood is there are seeds in the soil, and that Martin somehow has to go out and pull up all his lantana and throw them away and replace at least the top couple of inches, anyway, of soil in that bed, replace that soil with fresh, plant some new lantana in there, and... Hopefully, next year you won't have any problem. But if you do, you sort of know where it is and what to do. There are no sprays for dot or nothing you can do other than physical removal. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's not what I wanted to hear.
1: Yeah, you know, something, when's the last time you went down to Key West, Martin?
2: It's been a long time. Key West, time.
1: Florida. Well, if you want something fascinating to see and terrifying at the same time, <laughs> I don't know if it's down there still. But about 10 years ago, when I drove down that long causeway going to Key West, I remember seeing pine trees on either side of the highway covered in dodder. And I don't mean a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean covered like kudzu with yellow wow. spaghetti-like dodder all over it I had
2: just never, ever seen this before. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's... I'm,
1: it's just <laughs> <interesting. I> mean, <laughs> it is new, it's new, it's different It's weird and wild But it, it, is, is. it is what it is It's daughter And if you now see it from now on The rest of your life, Martin I've given you a word that you can use The rest of your life When you see this little patch in a field Or a pasture or something You say, yep, hey, there's some daughter over there Linda I'm now Martin. one
2: of the enlightened
1: ones I'm <laughs> 101th person to know what it is <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alright, well Thank you, Walter. I'll All right, be Martin. Doing some digging if it ever stops raining. Yeah.
1: Well, it'll be easy to dig when it finishes raining. Thanks for calling, Martin. <laughs> okay. We'll Bye, see yeah. you soon. So, you learned something today. The Lawn and Garden Show teaches somebody, somebody's about daughter, the parasitic plant. Speaking of parasitic plants, no, we're not going to talk about parasitic plants. We're going to talk about squash with Jim in Marietta. Hey, Jim, good morning.
3: Good morning, Walter. Uh, I've got uh, some cucumbers and a raised bed. Yeah. They've uh, pickling cucumbers and regular cucumbers that they, they've been producing and and then I also have squash a um, uh, butternut and spaghetti squash that are growing out of seeds uh, from my compost pile yeah so that that's a little bit of an experiment but my the the, the cucumber vines um, they they're all of a sudden just starting to shrivel up and die
1: the vine um, itself you're talking about the, the vine not the fruit right
3: well correct the vine itself there's still fruit hanging on the vine and um. And and I've sprayed for the cucumber beetle and what I call the stink bug, but I I don't see any signs of pests. I don't know what's going on.
1: This would be perfect weather for downy mildew. Boy, downy mildew is a booger when it gets real high humidity and warm days. And I'd be willing to bet that's what you have. Uh, If you want to go look up some symptoms online and say downy mildew cucumber, I'm going to bet it will look just like your cucumber.
3: Okay, and so on the on the squash that are in the compost pile, um, I had a had a, a vine early on just just die, yeah. um, and then the others were doing fine. So that, that they, they managed to come to that as well.
1: May have, yeah. And okay. the the stuff coming from the compost pile probably will not look like what you think you may have planted. they yellow squash or cucumbers or, you know, whatever. There's nothing dangerous about eating the fruit, even if it's half green, half yellow, a little weird on the ends or something like that. Slice it, taste it. If it tastes good, if you want to cook a little bit of it, see if it tastes good as a squash casserole or you know zucchini bread or something like that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It simply will not be pure zucchini or pure squash because it's a hybrid now that you have these seeds that came out of the compost.
3: Well, uh, they're they're, they're already producing fruit, and it's a very noticeable uh, butternut squash and spaghetti squash. I've got one of the spaghetti squash, uh, probably about, uh, it's uh, four to five inches long and three inches in diameter.
1: No harm in eating that. Nothing wrong with it.
3: Okay, so uh, downy mildew, then.
1: Downy mildew would be my bet, because simply the environment right now is so perfect for it on squash, cucumbers, melons. Uh, cantaloupes, anything else downy mildew, that is my bet and it's tough to control, that's why I was referring you to online because there are newer chemicals that I may not know about, but it's really really tough to control Jim is in Marietta and Jim joins us, hey Jim good morning,
2: how you doing Walter? I'm
1: doing all right. what's up?
2: Walter I I don't know what I can do my uh, zucchini are rotting on the ends Ah. everything else that I'm growing not that I'm a big farmer or anything but my tomatoes are doing fine, my jalapenos are doing great, Yep. but my zucchini, every single one of them, since the very beginning, uh, rotting on the ends. I've tried calcium...
1: Oh, but I know the answer, I know the answer! We don't oh, even is it raining we don't even, No! We don't even need to go there! I've got the full congregation of Cave Spring United Methodist Church, if any of them are listening right now. Know the answer, Jim, to what you're talking about, because I showed a picture last uh, Saturday. I went up to Cave Spring and spoke to the group there about gardening. It has some great barbecue, by the way, too. Um, And what I told them, that when you have a cucumber, or in some cases a squash, that rots on the end, maybe it has a little sort of gray, fuzzy-looking stuff all over the end of the fruit, that is absolutely poor pollination poor pollination causes the fruit not to develop into a full zucchini, squash, cucumber, whatever you got you want to have and um, what you need to do, and this is not so hard to accomplish, Jim go to a nursery and find plants that have bees on them in other words, you just go to a nursery and find something that has a pollinator already in place and when you, you, know, you see the plants in the nursery, you'll see bees flying around Find the plants that the bees are attracted to, get five or ten of them, plant them around your cucumbers, and lo and behold, pollination will happen, and you'll have cucumbers that don't rot on the ends.
2: Well, not cucumbers, zucchini.
1: Oh, zucchini, excuse me. Okay. Same thing, same same. squash, I'm, yeah.
2: I've been getting quite a few of them, and I've got the male flowers, and you know, then, of course, the female yeah, flowers yeah. That produces the fruit. Yeah. But every one of them just rots. I thought maybe it was too much rain. It or... may
1: not be complete pollination. I mean, I'm still running the pollination line here because pollination causes fruit to develop. That's what causes fruit to size up the seeds as they grow inside. They, they cause the, the pulp, I guess you call it, of the inside of the zucchini to grow, or the skin to thicken, and the whole physiological process to happen with the fruit. And if the end is rotting, It's possible that it's just incomplete, not full pollination, but incomplete pollination. That's what's causing it to happen. That's going to be my guess. So, again, I know that you say you know what the male and the female flowers, but I think there's something still lacking on the pollination end, not anything else right now. That's my guess. At 719. We'll be back after this. This
0: is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need.
3: seems I've got you have
1: And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be rainy today. 80% chance of thunderstorms. High of 82. Low overnight 67 tomorrow. Rain most likely goes away. Highs around 84 tomorrow. Low 61. Dry on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the full forecast. It comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Uh, Don in College Park. We have about 32.9 seconds here. Let's go for it, Don.
4: There he is. My call. Uh, t- a couple quick questions. Yeah. My parsley and cilantro bolt really quickly. What's going on with that?
1: What, is, what are they doing?
4: They just bolt. They just start flowering. And then they then they don't really give leaves that are good enough to, to use in cooking.
1: Heat usually causes bolting. Okay. So my guess it just got too hot, too quick, and they didn't like it. And both of them are more cool-season plants than they are warm-season plants, so next year try fall planting, not spring planting. Ah, uh,
4: okay, okay, great. And then my squash and zucchini plants, the, they flower, and they're beautiful, and then next thing I know, they're falling on the ground. The flowers are falling on the ground, so...
1: Usually it is a male plant that comes on about two weeks, really, before female plants appear. So male plants, male flowers I should say, Uh, have a straight green stem that connects the flower to the main vine. And they'll come on a couple of weeks, as I said before, the female flower. The female flower is a bit fatter and it has a little cucumber or a little squash or a little uh, cantaloupe underneath it. So check and just see if the flowers that are falling off are male flowers. It's totally expected, totally natural and soon they'll both occur concurrently and pollination will happen hopefully and you'll get some squash or cucumbers or zucchinis or whatever it is you expect they're done. It's 728. We'll be back right after news. 735, 71.5 degrees outside. This is and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful as a gardener, too. However you define success, one more weed, one less bit of uh, mess in your yard, <laughs> either way it is. If you need to call and ask a question about it, 404-872-0750. And bring a little happiness into someone's life. Let's give away the weekend prize pack. Ashley Frasca will think of a number between two and seven, who will determine who wins a pair of tickets to see James Taylor, along with special guest Bonnie Wright, on July 11th at the Infinite Energy Arena. So if your calendar is clear for July the 11th, then if you are the what color, Ash? Third. If you're the third color, Troy Contest Line, which is 404741. 0750 404 The third caller gets to see James Taylor and Bonnie Ray. Sweet baby James, that'll be fun. Rob in K- Johns Creek joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, J- Rob, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Rob. Uh, I've got a question.
5: I, I purchased an older home back in January and I'm trying to rehab a Bermuda grass lawn uh, that is basically infested with weeds uh i've looked up some of the weeds it's like dallas grass patches yeah and then i read that the only way really to get rid of them is to dig up from the roots i've done that now i've got bear patches in my lawn and i don't know if i can reseed or throw sod down hmm. and then there's other just random weeds all throughout the lawn, I've, I I cut it low in the beginning of the season, lined it, and put weed and feed out, and it seems like the weeds just got greener. So mm-hmm.
1: well, um, let's think about it. So it it always seems to me that the best philosophy of weed control in a lawn is to do the the right thing as far as fertilizing, watering, sunshine. You know, grass gotta have sunshine. And when you have those things worked out, the weeds tend to become less and less of a problem. So let's just ask, when did you last fertilize it? What's your feeding and weeding and fertilizing schedule?
5: Well, uh, that's the thing. I, I, I put weed and feed down, and this is all kind of new to me still. So put weed and feed down in the as it started to get warmer in the spring, mm-hmm. um, probably in the beginning of April. Now, last week I weed and feed again. Um, just because it it didn't seem to be helping since that first time. And I didn't want to damage the lawn by doing it, you know, I've heard too much. Yeah.
1: What I would have done instead of the weed and feed is to put down just straight lawn fertilizer last week or even a little bit earlier than that.
4: And you have great weather,
1: fabulous weather for putting down fertilizer because it's raining every other day, it seems like. So putting fertilizer down really makes the grass grow. And the grass itself becomes sort of a weed control agent on your behalf. Okay. So, it ah. me right now, I would work on maybe some spot spraying of the weeds and use fertilizer as my weed control.
5: Uh, fertilizer, I've heard 10, 10, 10? 10, no, is there...
1: no, use turf fertilizer. Use a lawn fertilizer that gives you a long-lasting release of nutrients over... Usually a six-week period Use how often you fertilize Bermuda grass. Assuming it's in full sun, assuming that we don't get a drought or something like that. Then about every six weeks with a straight turf fertilizer and just lawn fertilizer doesn't say anything about weed and feed on the bag. So you Pennington and Scott's and you know Pike has got a good product. So you get any of those products and use instead of 10-10-10.
5: All right, and that'll choke out the weeds, I'm hoping. It'll
1: help a lot towards choking out weeds, sure will. Even the Dallas grass. Dallas grass is hard to control. There's no doubt about that. And Digging it up was the smart thing to do. But if you just have little seedlings of Dallas grass that are coming up through the Bermuda, Bermuda that is real vigorous will choke it out. All right. Boom. Thank you. I appreciate it. Boom. That's right. Thanks for calling, (laughs) Rob. Appreciate it. Bye. We've got at 740 in the morning. We've got Terry from out in Johns Creek who's with us. Hey, Terry. Hey, man. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? I'm
1: all right. What's going on?
2: Well, we've got a lot of deer in this area. I've lived here now for about six years, and every year we have the most beautiful daylilies in the front of our house, but they'll manage to always nip them off. And this year, yeah, they've sure. a little bit more than a couple of days and they got them. What can I do to take care of My wife suggested peeing on the plants, but I don't be such a great
1: idea because <laughs> they're in the front of the house, and you get arrested for something like that. Your, yeah, like your wife. I already like your wife. She's a very creative young woman. I did a class this past week for the uh, gardeners in DeKalb County, and we talked specifically about that, about whether any animal, including human urine, does much to deter animals, deer mm-hmm. in specific. And I said, look, anything that smells a little different, whether it's lion urine or, or terry urine, is mm-hmm. going to deter an animal for a little bit, for a day or two yeah, or right. three or four. But when the animal realizes that no matter what weird thing they smell, nothing bad happens, then yeah. they'll walk up to the hosta or the rose or the daylily mm-hmm. or the whatever and eat it. Yeah. So it's not a permanent solution, though." No. Okay. Um, I will tell you, I'll give you something to experiment with if you want to experiment, okay. Terry. Okay. Write this down, Repel-X, Repellex. R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X, Repel X. Okay. Now, the only thing that I'm going to tell you is that you have to call me back at the end of the summer and tell me whether it worked or not because I'm collecting success stories as well as failure stories about Repellex, And mm-hmm. the only place that I can find to buy it is online at uh, Amazon. It's little pellets. The pellets have capsaicin, the hot stuff that you know makes your tongue burn. But the pellets can be absorbed by the sap of the plant. And a daylily lily is a perfect and a hosta too would be mm-hmm. perfect um, test plants for this. If you put the pellets in the ground, and hopefully have some new leaves that have absorbed the, uh, the capsaicin. Then the deer eat it and say, man, that doesn't taste good. Don't like that. And they go to somebody else's house, and it's a permanent thing. For at least several weeks mm-hmm. that the deer come back, they nibble a little more. Oh, boy, it's still hot. Oh, you're going here. Yeah, yeah. And so try that, Terry, and okay. let me know what happens.
3: We've been trying to plant a lot of flowers
2: in our back. We've got a big area, and uh, I've been trying to check to see if everything is deer-safe. Yeah. And there's quite a few plants, but it seems like the ones that are most colorful, that have the most beautiful flowers, <laughs> they're not. Yeah, that's so,
1: true. Uh, Lush, can I gross. Can they use this yeah, repellents on that, too? Um, Sure. As far as I know, there's no effect on okay. pollinators or anything like that. So any plants that you're not eating yourself, can use, yeah. the repellents can be used on. Okay. All right. Sounds like a plan. All I right. appreciate it. Let me know. I'll talk to one. you soon. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye now. 743, that gives Bob his turn. Bob's in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Bob, hey, good morning.
4: Good morning, Walter. I experiment with raising tomatoes, and uh, thought I'd pass this on for people who don't have very much room. Uh, I saw I went on the YouTube, how to plant tomatoes, different ways to plant tomatoes. Sure. This guy had on there a five-gallon bucket, and he drilled a hole. Uh, four holes one in each corner you know like north south east and west and mm-hmm. the bottom and then uh up the from the bottom up uh, about an inch and a half uh drilled a hole in each four corners too and then he put his tomato plants down uh, one on each side north south east and west That's four plants for that five gallon bucket yeah and then uh you could water it uh, when it gets you know kind of dry you take your Uh, I just take a five-gallon bucket, go by and pour it in. But these things have took off and grown like crazy. So Mm -hmm. for people that don't have, you know, a a large place to put tomatoes, uh, it only takes up, uh, oh, I'd say two and a half, three feet wide. Two and a half, three feet wide. And I have a formula I use. I take and dig up all the dirt that's in there, put new dirt down, and then I add a a teaspoon of uh, baking soda, a small half a cup of uh, uh, Epsom salts, and then a half a cup of uh, 10-10-10, and a couple hands full of, um, uh, oh, gosh, uh, yellow bag there, I can't say <laughs> <laughs> The uh, yellow bag stuff. Yeah, well, it's dirt. Uh, all right. Gosh, anyhow, and I mix it all up and get it wet, and then I sit the tomato plant down there halfway down, you know, bit halfway deep, and these things are taking off like crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, what, you,
1: what you're what describing to me, Bob, sounds like a combination of the topsy-turvy, which was that hanging tomato planter that we uh-huh. you know, saw 10 years ago, 5 years ago. And then the grow box, which is a plastic on the ground thing that uses special uh, soil and a addition of fertilizer. Pretty much what you've described on the grow box. And then just regular old container growing of tomatoes. You've combined three things into the same place. And if it works for you, I'm not going to argue with you. Although I would say the Epsom salts is probably not necessary because most soils have plenty of magnesium in it. And, and that's all the Epsom salts will supply. But... It doesn't hurt the plants, and if it makes you feel good, go ahead and use Epsom salts. The 10-10-10, of course, is the stuff. That's what made them right out of the side of the bucket there. The Epsom salts did that.
4: I got a a plant. I need to ask you real quick. It uh, looks like an ace of spades. And it's grown oh, yeah. twenty foot high, <laughs>
1: and
4: I've cut uh, it down last year with a chainsaw. And this year, it came, I've got three, but I've cut them down also. Yeah, yeah. What kind of plant is that thing? The birds put in their pocket plant four, <laughs> or five seeds when they flew by.
1: Royal Polonia. a
4: royal Holonia. paulonia. Where does P-A-U thing come from? Paulonia. Where's that P a u
1: l o w n i a paulonia. And if you look online, the leaves are enormous. When that thing yeah. is growing, you know they'd be two and a half feet across and two and a half feet high big, big plants, and they have s- pretty flowers. If you see them in the springtime, you'll say, I've got to have one of those trees in my yard. It's so pretty. But that cluster of flowers leads to a cluster of seeds, which every bird in the neighborhood will grab and spread <laughs> far and wide until you have it in your backyard, your neighbor has it in their backyard, and wondering, what is this thing that comes up so fast? It just grows like crazy in the backyard. Royal Polonia. <laughs>
4: we can take and raise them and get the Rothland,
1: Bill wood. Don't think that hasn't been thought of. It, it grows that way, and they use it in Asia as a carving material. The wood is pretty soft, and so they use it for carving little gift boxes and things like that that you would make real ornamental because it's so soft, and the knives cut into the wood very easily. Mm-hmm. So it is used as a as a you know commercial material. But as far as timber, it's too soft for lumber. Of course, maybe one day somebody will figure out how to use it for um, um natural re- renewable energy source or something mm-hmm. like that, but that's uh, in the future someday. Polonia is what you have.
4: Listen, the tomato plant, uh, you say Epsom sauce, I thought that was to keep from having blossom end rot.
1: No, blossom end rot has to do with watering and mm-hmm. not calcium and not anything else, but just consistent watering is what causes blossom end rot, or inconsistent watering causes blossom end rot some salts adds magnesium because it's magnesium sulfate, but it has nothing to do with uh, calcium in the soil. i got to go, though. Thanks for calling, Bob. It is 748. We'll be back after this.
0: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need.
2: Well, the first days
5: are the hardest days don't you worry anymore
1: Those and a quick weather update brought to you by ackerman security it's going to be rainy today 80% chance of rain highs around 82 low 67 overnight tomorrow the rain likely goes away a little bit in the morning perhaps. High tomorrow around 84, and low tomorrow night, 61. Drying off, though, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Your full weekend forecast. Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Bud comes up right now in Locust Grove. Welcome to Lawn and Garden, Bud. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm
1: doing great. How can I help?
0: Good. Um, I, I have a hummingbird problem. <laughs> For years, I've had hummingbirds uh, fairly prolific. They're probably, you know four to six of them out there racing around all the sure. time usually got about three feeders out yeah and i even leave one out in the winter time and change it periodically but uh you know just in case one of them is left behind sure but this year nothing uh, well i let me take that back april 1st i had one that came to the feeder that i leave mm-hmm. out all year long and uh that's the last i've seen of them and mm-hmm. i i've talked to uh Friends of mine over in Hampton, they, they're they having the same problem. Uh, what are we doing wrong?
1: Probably nothing. It's not unusual at all for hummingbird population, and I don't mean the population necessarily, but the population at your feeder, to wax and wane during the summer as two or three things are going on at the same time. One, sometimes the females are sitting on the nest, so that's half of the population that are gone, sitting on the nest, not going to uh-huh. be around. Number two, you've got more nectar producing plants out there right now i know the uh, trumpet vine is blooming great right now salvias are blooming great and both of those are very very attractive to hummingbirds uh-huh. they may be saying man we don't want any of that you know bud stuff we're going to go over here with a nice <laughs> salvia and eat some <laughs> nectar out of the salvia or the trumpet vine that's over on the fence nearby or something like that so they have other sources of food not necessarily your feeder And number three, of course, the population of the hummingbirds themselves can wax and wane from year to year. You have more some year, less other years. Uh But I would say, generally speaking, there's no major decline in their numbers in Georgia and the... Bird folks who do the hummingbird counting and banding and all that kind of stuff Don't seem to be concerned about it uh-huh. So I don't think you should either I think you should keep the feeder out And when the hummingbirds return When the feed, food sources in the nature decline Then the hummingbirds will come back to your feeder And Bud, you'll be happy Well, what?
0: how long does You know, when I, when I put a fresh um, a slug of water
1: in there with the sugar in it
0: How long does that last? Do you know before it starts souring or... Uh, you know, you know, I don't know, if there's
1: a I don't know if there is a way to tell other than looking at it. Sometimes I see the little bubbles at the top, a little bit of mat of fungal and stuff. I uh-huh. change mine about every five, seven days, or frankly, when I can think about it. But okay. if you want to know the real truth of it, uh-huh. I try to do it every five to seven days. Okay, all right. I'll 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 try to. I usually do it about
0: once a week, so that's yeah, there. Sounds in about right. Good. Okay.
1: All right. All right, thank you very much. Great sir. talking I to you, bud. It. Thanks a bunch. Mm-hmm. It's 7.58, we'll be back after news.